0: Hello, this is Pastor Nick Hood, and today our Old Testament lesson is the story where David flees from Saul and enters the cave of Abdullam. His father and mother and siblings come to join him. There are an additional 400 men, these are fighting men, who join David in the cave. The prophet Gad comes to David and tells him eventually he must leave the cave, David takes his mother and father to the king of Moab and asks the king to protect them until he knows what the Lord will do for him. To me, it is no accident that David takes his parents to the king of Moab. His grandparents were from Moab, and in a sense, David is seeking the protection that only family can provide. Uh, Fast forward backwards, go to the book of Ruth, the story of Ruth and uh, her husband Boaz, and you find that uh, they become the grand lineage of David. So David is actually, he has Moabite blood in him. So let's begin now with 1 Samuel chapter 22. David left there and escaped to the cave of Abdullam, when his brothers and all his father's house heard of it, They went down there to him. Everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was discontented gathered to him and he became captain over them. Those who were with him numbered about 400. David went from there to Mizpah of Moab. He said to the king of Moab, Please let my father and mother come to you until I know what God will do for me. He left them with the king of Moab, and they stayed with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. Then the prophet Gad said to David, Do not remain in the stronghold, leave and go into the land of Judah. So David left and went into the forest of Hereth. Saul heard that David and those who were with him had been located. Saul was sitting at Gibeah under the tamarisk tree on the height, with his spear in his hand, and all his servants were standing around him. Saul said to his servants who stood around him, Hear now, you Benjaminites. Will the son of Jesse give every one of you fields and vineyards? Will he make you all commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds? Is that the way all of you have conspired against me? No one discloses to me when my son makes a league with the son of Jesse. None of you is sorry for me or discloses to me that my son has stirred up my servant against me to lie in wait as he is doing today. Dueg, the Edomite, who was in charge of Saul's servants, answered, I saw the son of Jesse coming to Nob, to Ahimelech, son of Ahitub. He inquired of the Lord for him gave him provisions, and gave him the sword of Goliath, the Philistine. The king sent for the priest Ahimelech, son of Ahitub, and for all his father's house. The priests who were at Nob, and all of them came to the king. Saul said, Listen now, son of Ahitub. He answered, Here I am, my lord. Saul said to him, Why have you conspired against me? you and the son of Jesse, by giving him bread and a sword and by inquiring of God for him, so that he is risen against me to lie in wait as he is doing today. Then Ahimelech answered the king, Who among all your servants is so faithful as David? He is the king's son-in-law and is quick to do your bidding and is honored in your house. Is today the first time that I have inquired of God for him? By no means. Do not let the king impute anything to his servant or to any member of my father's house. For your servant has known nothing of all of this, much or little. The king said, You shall surely die, Ahimelech, you and all your father's house. The king said to the guard who stood around him, Turn and kill the priest of the Lord, because their hand also is with David. They knew that he fled and did not disclose it to me. But the servants of the king would not raise their hand to attack the priest of the Lord. Then the king said to Dueg, You, Dueg, turn and attack the priest. Dueg the Edomite turned and attacked the priest. On that day he killed eighty-five, who wore the linen epod. Nob, the city of the priests, he put to the sword. Men and women, children and infants, oxen, donkeys, and sheep, he put to the sword. But one of the sons of Ahimelech, son of Ahitub, named Abiathar, escaped and fled after David. Abiathar told David that Saul had killed the priest of the Lord. David said to Ah Abiathar, I knew on that day when Dueg the Edomite was there that he would surely tell Saul, I am responsible for the lives of all your father's house. Stay with me and do not be afraid. For the one who seeks my life seeks your life. You will be safe with me. I'd like to offer a few questions for reflection. Number one, what are your thoughts about why David chose to seek refuge in the caves of Abdullam? Number two, although he has... Four hundred men with him, the mother and father of David and his siblings, come to join David in the cave. What does this tell you about the way his family views David? Number three. What do you think about the decision of Saul to kill all the priests at Nob? Why do you think Saul has everyone who lived in Nob murdered? Four. Four. Why do you think David spares the life of Abiathar? And then finally, do you have any other thoughts about this chapter? Now, I would like to shift gears from the Old Testament to the New Testament. This is the continuing saga of the Apostle Paul. We're now in Acts chapter 25. And Paul is on a trajectory that will lead him ultimately to Rome. And so... The last several chapters we've been reading and then now today in Acts 25 where Paul has an audience before these Roman governors, Festus and then Felix uh, and then Agrippa. Uh, Ultimately, they keep passing the buck and because Paul is a Roman citizen, he is afforded the right to go to Rome and have an audience before the emperor himself. And ultimately, you'll see, we will see, that is what happens. So Acts chapter 25, three days after Festus had arrived in the province, he went up from Caesarea to Jerusalem, where the chief priest and the leaders of the Jews gave him a report against Paul. They appealed to him and requested as a favor to them against Paul to have him transferred to Jerusalem. They were, in fact, planning an ambush to kill him along the way. Festus replied that Paul was being kept at Caesarea and that he himself intended to go there shortly. So he said, Let those of you who have the authority come down with me, and if there is anything wrong about the man, let them accuse him. After he had stayed among them not more than eight or ten days, he went down to Caesarea. The next day he took his seat on the tribunal and ordered Paul to be brought When he arrived, the Jews who had gone down from Jerusalem surrounded him, bringing many serious charges against him, which they could not prove. Paul said in his defense, I have in no way committed an offense against the law of the Jews, or against the temple, or against the emperor. But Festus, wishing to do the Jews a favor, asked Paul, Do you wish to go up to Jerusalem and be tried there before me on these charges? Paul said, I am appealing to the emperor's tribunal. This is where I should be tried. I have done no wrong to the Jews, as you very well know. Now, if I am in the wrong and have committed something for which I deserve to die, I am not trying to escape death. But if there is nothing to their charges against me, no one can turn me over to them. I appeal to the emperor. Then Festus, after he had conferred with his council, replied, You have appealed to the emperor. To the emperor you will go. After several days had passed, King Agrippa and Bernice arrived at Caesarea to welcome Festus. Since they were staying there several days, Festus laid Paul's case before the king, saying, There is a man here who has left who was left in prison by Felix, when I was in Jerusalem, the chief priest and the elders of the Jews informed me about him and asked for a sentence against him. I told them that it was not the custom of the Romans to hand over anyone before the accused had met the accusers face to face and had been given an opportunity to make a defense against the charge. So when they met here, I lost no time, but on the next day, took my seat on the tribunal, and ordered the man to be brought. When the accusers stood up, they did not charge him with any of the crimes that I was expecting. Instead, they had certain points of disagreement with him about their own religion and about a certain Jesus, who had died, but whom Paul asserted to be alive. Since I was at a loss how to investigate these questions, I asked whether he wished to go to Jerusalem, and be tried there on these charges. But when Paul had appealed to be kept in custody for the decision of his imperial majesty, I ordered him to be held until I could send him to the emperor. Agrippa said to Festus, I would like to hear the man myself. Tomorrow, he said, you will hear him. So on the next day, Agrippa and Bernice came with great pomp, and they entered the audience hall with the military tribunes, and the prominent men of the city. Then Festus gave the order, and Paul was brought in. And Festus said, King Agrippa, and all here present with us, you see this man, about whom the whole Jewish community petitioned me, both in Jerusalem and here, shouting that he ought not to live any longer. But I found that he had done nothing deserving death. And when he appealed to his imperial majesty, I decided to send him. But I have nothing definite to write to our sovereign about him. Therefore, I have brought him before all of you, and especially before you, King Agrippa, so that after we have examined him, I may have something to write. For it seems to me unreasonable to send a prisoner without indicating the charges against him. So thus we end this uh, chapter Uh, in the continuing uh, lead-up of Paul to his execution in Rome. Uh, But I'd like first to offer some questions for reflection. Number one, what are your thoughts about Paul's interrogation before Festus? Two, what image comes to your mind with the entrance of King Agrippa? And three, why do you think the Jews are not able to kill Paul? Paul? You know, think about all the other occasions we've been reading up to this point in the book of Acts where there were men lying in wait. In the last chapter, we read about in excess of 40 Jewish zealots who had committed not to eat until they had killed Paul. But they can't kill him. And what do you think that tells us? So I give these questions to you to ponder. And I'd like to conclude this podcast with a prayer. Let us pray. Lord, show me when to hide and when to stand and fight. Lord, grant me wisdom that I might know when others want to hurt me and diminish me. Lord, I need your insight. Lord, I want you to help me to really understand the heart of people, not just the words of people, but the hearts of people, particularly people who mean me uh, harm, but also people who mean me support and love. And grant me the discernment to be able, the wisdom to be able to tell the difference between the two. Sometimes a person who looks hateful will actually be caring and loving. And there are other times when a person who speaks with love and care may actually intend to do harm. And so this day, O oh Lord God, I pray for wisdom. I pray for your guidance. I pray for your instruction. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This is Pastor Nick Hood, pastor and senior minister of the Plymouth United Church of Christ. I want to thank you for tuning in to this podcast reading uh, from 1 Samuel and also the book of Acts. And uh, tomorrow we will continue in both chapters. If you're ever in the Detroit area, I invite you to stop by the church where I serve. I'm blessed to serve as pastor and senior minister the Plymouth United Church of Christ, which is located at 600 East Warren Avenue, right in the heart of Detroit. In the very tip top of the Medical Center area of Detroit. We worship on Sundays at 8.30 and 11 in the morning. We also worship on Wednesdays at noon, and I'd love to see you. Until tomorrow or the next time, this is Nick Hood and God bless.